With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a new episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. It's been a while, some things came up, but we are back. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you not from Boulder, Colorado, but from Oakland, California, my new place of residence. And I am joined today by my usual co-host. He is the man of the hour, the tower of power, too sweet to be sour. His name is Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, long time no talk, man. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy to be back. I still reside in uh, Columbus. I run these streets and, uh, you know, continue to rep from Columbus while you're holding it down on the West Coast. But, um, yeah, happy, happy to be back, happy to be talking again about um, Ohio State sports. We didn't really get to talk about the, um, the basketball team's untimely demise. But um, we've got spring game coming up. We've got an Ohio State transfer to talk about. It should be a should be a good time. Yeah, after a couple of weeks, I guess after the basketball team got eliminated, not much going on. But starting with the spring game this Saturday on April fourteenth, one forty-five p.m. Eastern time on the Big Ten Network. It's all gonna start rolling again, and there really is never a bad time to talk about Ohio State football. So we might as well just jump right into it and talk about the spring game and it feels like from my perspective that it's a little more subdued this year there's not quite as much hype going into it and maybe that's because there's a little bit of turnover with the roster it just seems a little bit different do you get that same sense I think the interest in um positions that there's not usually interest in specifically the quarterback position um because we've kind of known who the starter was going to be at ohio state even in the you know the year with cardale jones and braxton miller and jt barrett we it was a known quantity no matter what but um you know heading into spring practice this year in the spring game we don't know who the quarterback is going to be we we have a good feeling that it'll be dwayne haskins but there's a true quarterback competition with unknown quantities and guys who we haven't really seen play significant minutes um and i think that that's kind of the most interesting thing about the spring game most of the um the skill positions bring back its starters um you know the the defensive backfield loses some some guys specific like damon webb denzel ward but there's pretty much every wide receiver is back jk dobbins mike weber both back it's um there's i think that there's less turnover than usual which is kind of making it for a bit less um, of you know storylines to talk about with the spring game, but I'm I would say I'm most interested in the quarterbacks, and I think that that's a sentiment echoed by most Buckeye fans. Let's break down this quarterback situation because in his last media availability, Urban Meyer said, "quote You wish one would take it, but that just hasn't happened yet in terms of the QB battle." And I don't know if I'm buying that. I I think that. Based off of what we saw from Dwayne Haskins in the Michigan game and some of the flashes he showed throughout last season, I would be very shocked if he is not eventually Ohio State starter, barring injury. And I, I think that there's really nothing to gain from him saying that Haskins has the edge right now. You have a quarterback in Joe Burrow who has, at the very least, publicly acknowledged the fact that he's flirting with the transfer and in Tate Martell, you got a really young guy. So I, I don't think that Urban Meyer saying, oh, this is Haskins' job, he looks great, really benefits anything. You know, you're at, you're at a point right now where you still have to get through spring practice. And if they're able to get through and then Joe Burrow transfers, then I, I think that I guess not that's not the ideal for Meyer. But I, I think at this point, he has nothing to gain by saying that Haskins has the edge. So I, I don't really buy that. Haskins isn't the guy yet, but I see why Urban Meyer is doing what he is doing. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I um, 
I'm certainly um, one that would consider Dwayne Haskins to be the starter at this point. Um, I mean, when when Ohio State needed a backup quarterback last season in the biggest game of the season against Michigan, Dwayne Haskins was the guy. And that was with a healthy Joe, Joe Burrow. Um, you know, he had recovered from his, I think it was a hand injury. And Haskins was, you know, he was number two. He was pretty obviously the number two quarterback for the entire season. Even, you know, when he struggled specifically in the Illinois game, I, I remember uh, Burrow got a little bit of a chance to play because Haskins had thrown an interception or something. But I I would agree that there's not a ton for Meyer to gain from naming Haskins the starter in spring practice just from a you know a competition standpoint from a complacency standpoint he's been he's big into stuff like that i would say um i feel kind of bad for and kind of bad might be a bit of an understatement i feel bad for joe burrow because um he's going to go through spring practice and if he doesn't you know if he has no way of knowing if he's the starter or not that's less time he would get to spend at a different program learning the system or you know possibly winning that job and Obviously, you you know, as a Buckeye, you want the competition that comes with having two very good quarterbacks. But um, just as a you know, a fan of college football, and as I guess a supporter of the athletes and athletes' uh, rights, I would prefer if Joey Burrow was just able to know if he was realistically going to play here or if he should just transfer. I think the good thing for Burrow though is the way that Meyer talks about him if he ends up going and leaving the program, he's going to get a pretty strong ringing endorsement from Meyer. I, th- I think that the staff isn't going to try to play hardball with him. Like we have probably seen, I, I don't know. I can't think of a time that they've done it, but we've seen around the country coaching staffs in Auburn in particular with a guy like Antoine Jackson, who we'll talk about uh, here in a little bit. I don't think this staff is going to do that with, with Joe Burrow based off of how they speak about him. And, you know, going back to, Meyer saying that nobody's separated themselves and whether that's true or not, he never really or rarely says something off the cuff. Whenever Meyer speaks about especially a position battle, there's always a purpose to his words. So I think that this can also be looked at as a motivational tool for Dwayne Haskins. Like, are you kidding me? This I haven't won the job based off of not only what I did last year, but from all indications, it sounds like he, he hasn't had a bad spring by by any measure. And we know how Urban Meyer gets down when it comes to mental games. So I, I think, you know, you add to the fact that he has really nothing to gain by saying that somebody has taken control of the job. You can also be used as a motivational tool for Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I think that that's certainly a factor. We've seen him do that with, um, you know, different offensive linemen this year, even with Brady Taylor saying that the center job is still open and he's, I mean, Urban Meyer is not new to this tactic when it comes to trying to motivate players. And I would imagine that that's what he's doing. It's um, (laughs) to this point, I think he's proven that that's kind of his go-to thing. And, um, you know, it seems to have worked so far. So it's, it's hard to question it. I I do think that it's um, pretty obviously Haskins job to lose at this point. I I don't barring an injury. I, I think that he would have to, to do quite a bit to, to lose the job. I think he's got it pretty close to locked up at this point, just from what we've seen and from you know, common, <laughs> common knowledge and what you would expect from a football program. Um, but it, it'll be good to, I think, see both of them play in the spring game and to, you know, get to see Tate Martell play as well. Obviously we, we could see him in some different running quarterback packages this season. But um, I, I would agree that it's it's probably a, a motivational thing more than it is an actual open competition at this point. Okay, so offensively, you referenced earlier at the skill positions, basically everybody's back. You have J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber, I think surprisingly for you and I, given you know some of the stuff we said on the podcast uh, at the end of end of the regular season. Both of those guys are back to Mario McCall, McCall, who we are going to talk about on this episode. He is back as well. And, you know, for wide receivers, I have written down everyone back. And then under that, just two question marks, IDK. So like everybody there is back, but there's also some young guys too, that haven't gotten a ton of time. But I think it all kind of comes back to, at least when we're talking about spring practice and the spring game and stuff that we're not quite sure of is the offensive line. And Demetrius Knox, Isaiah Prince are back. Brady Taylor seems like he's going to be entrenched at that center position. 
But then those two other positions are up in the air. You have guys like Brandon Bowen coming off an injury. He, I think, was very inconsistent to start the year, but he got better before his uh, before his injury, which cost him the rest of the season. And then Matthew Burrell, who those are those two guys that you would figure have the best shot to get those two spots. What's your sense on the offensive line, and what do you think we can expect to see on Saturday? Well, I um, I certainly can't claim to be an offensive line expert by any means, um, but I, I do think that the offensive line is one of the more interesting battles on this on this team. Um, you know, the the loss of Jamarco Jones was obviously a, a pretty big one. Um, it, it seems to be the the consensus that Isaiah Prince is moving over to that left tackle spot and to to fill that. Uh, the hole left by Jamarco Jones, but um, the the line seems to be mostly cemented, save for the um, you know where does Brandon Bowen go coming off of his injury? Where does Demetrius Knox go? Where does Brady Taylor go? And if um, you know Matthew Burrell can find his way into the lineup, but um, I, I think Isaiah Prince, Michael Jordan, and Thayer Munford pretty much have their spots locked down. It sounds like. So uh, the the interior line spots are definitely the ones that I'm looking for. Um, I'm also interested to see what Wyatt Davis can do, who will be going into a second year, what Josh Myers can do, um, if any of the younger guys like that, maybe even some of the freshmen like Nicholas Petit Frere or Max Ray, um, you know, or an older guy like Malcolm Prigion, who we haven't seen play yet heading into his, uh, his final season after being a uh, JUCO transfer here. And um, I, I think that that's kind of the biggest spots of interest right now are that right guard and center position. Yeah, I totally forgot about Michael Jordan. He's a guy moving into his, what, third season. I, I think that this is going to be the year that he really takes a giant step forward. And we, we've seen flashes of it. And I think he was more consistent last year than he was as a freshman. But if you're looking for that breakout, non-skill position player, I think Michael Jordan is as good a pick as, uh, as anybody on that offensive line to have a really good year and we're not going to get to see a ton of tangible stuff that we can take through you know as heading into fall practice and then ultimately the start of the regular season when it comes to the offensive line in the spring game but something that I, I think is interesting to note going forward is Ohio State's pass blocking hasn't probably been the best the last couple of seasons but if Dwayne Haskins does end up taking the job and is the starting quarterback, I think you'll see a little bit of a different dynamic between him and the pass blocking than what we saw with JT Barrett in the pass blocking, given that Barrett's a little more apt to run. And I think that Barrett really liked to process things. He liked to go through reads and you could tell that he was a little more hesitant to make some of those throws. We saw that change a little bit his senior year, but with a guy like Haskins, I think he's more apt to just getting the ball out. So I think that there's definitely some reason to be concerned just given the uncertainty and the newness that the offensive line is bringing. But I also think a guy with Dwayne Haskins' skill set can kind of offset that because he's definitely a different quarterback than Barrett when it comes to arm strength and quick decision-making. And we saw that hurt him in the Illinois game and in the UNLV game, but it also benefits because it helps the offensive line and he's able to make different throws and different reads than Barrett was. Yeah, I, I think to, you know, for the offensive line, having a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins is um, significantly easier than having a quarterback like JT Barrett. And that's not to say that JT Barrett wasn't, you know, a beneficial part of the team. He, he certainly was. But mobile quarterbacks, while they're very difficult for a defense, they're also difficult for an offensive line because you, I mean, there's not really a way of knowing if he's going to run on a play when it's not a designed run. And that, that adds an extra aspect of, you know, things to think about for an offensive line. And we, we saw the offensive line, not as much in 2017. I think the line was pretty solid for almost the entire season. Um, but in 2016 specifically, they really struggled, uh, with keeping Barrett clean in the pocket and giving him room to run if he wanted to. Whereas with um, with Haskins and with Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson running the offense, I think that there will be a lot less um, you know, stress and pressure on the offensive line to give the quarterback a lot of time because you know the wide receivers have speed. They have athleticism. They have the ability to run quick routes. 
and Dwayne Haskins seems much more willing to pull the, twi- the trigger on those um, those tight window throws, whereas JT Barrett was, as you said, much more hesitant and uh, kind of you know m- more likely to run if uh, if he had the choice between running and trying to escape the pocket or trying to make a tight window throw. So I, I think that Dwayne Haskins or Joe Burrow or you know whatever whoever is in the quarterback spot during the spring game or during the regular season is going to be helpful for the offensive line, especially an offensive line that will be breaking in at least one new starter. All right, so Demario McCall, what's the deal? What what He's are good. we going to see? <laughs> what's the role? I I completely agree, but what what's the role? You know, because we we saw him earlier in the season, the Rutgers game in particular stands out in that playmaking and the speed is still on display but with Dobbins back with Weber back with all those receivers back where, where do you think he stands in all this um well I, I think that Ohio State's transition into uh, passing the ball is certainly going to be beneficial for him because um, I think that he'll probably do his best work at least offensively as an age back and uh, if Ohio State is content with passing more we'll see four my or more four wide receiver sets uh, which would allow for you know a wide wide receivers like johnny dixon austin mack paris campbell and demario mccall to all be on the field at once um you know and he's obviously i think at the h position still behind paris campbell and kj hill um but if he finds uh, the field there if he finds the field is kind of a, a curtis samuel uh, running back slash wide receiver, or if he just finds his field as a plain running back offensively, I do think we'll see him contributing more this season. Um, though I, I would imagine that the place we see him most this season, um, much to uh, our I guess excitement after the the debacle that was um, the kick return and punt return last season, is on special teams. Uh, Demario McCall is, uh, f- you know, from pretty much everyone who's been at the practices he's been the guy taking punts he's been the guy back to return kicks along with Paris Campbell and I think that he'll do very well there um Ohio State really hasn't had an explosive punt returner in um I mean Ray Small I guess was the last one I can really think of and uh we we know that Ray Small was inconsistent to say the least but I guess Jalen Marshall was pretty good he had his moments he also had some bad moments but (laughs) he was definitely explosive when he had the ball in his hands yeah um yeah Jalen Marshall uh Ray Small you know even going back to like Ted Ginn I think Demario McCall could be that kind of player for Ohio State and um the really it seems to be what Urban Meyer has said and what we've known for a while now is that the only thing keeping Demario McCall off the field is Demario McCall and I think if he can, you know, if he can catch the ball either on offense or as a, a special teams player, he will see the field because we know he's explosive. We know he's great when he has the ball. It's just a matter of getting it to him. And I think Ohio State will try to find a way to do that this season. You're telling me you don't want to see Mike Weber back there returning kicks like <laughs> we saw last year? They might as well just put like a tight end back there. It would look just as funny. I mean, Mike, Mike Weber, we saw he, he got faster, it seemed, last season. But I don't want, like, the, you know, workhorse running back returning kicks, I guess. It's like Curtis Martin returning kicks yeah. back there. <laughs> and, 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 too, like, on, on that subject, um, Paris Campbell at the start of the season was really explosive returning kicks. And as the year went on, he got a bit more nicked up. And I think the staff pro- probably made – a business decision by not putting him back there on kickoff return and just saving him for offensive purposes. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, whether they have enough trust and enough faith to put him back there at kick return, or if it's a guy like Demario McCall, because they really haven't gone with those two returner sets in the back. It's really just only been one guy. So, it, but if it is one guy, it better be either McCall or uh, or Paris Campbell. I, I don't want to see. Mike Weber back there again. Um, offensively, is there any other stuff you're looking out for? Tight end is something we haven't talked a lot about. Marcus Baugh had his moments last year, and you kind of just take for granted how consistent he was in the lineup. You could pretty much count on him to play every single game, even if he wasn't catching a lot of passes. But he was 
he was there. He was taking snaps and he made, you know, a couple of really big plays when they needed him. But now that sort of consistency is gone and the most logical or, you know, the easiest option would to say would be to say Rashad Barry based off of, you know, what he did in, in certain flashes last year. I'm not sure he's quite the all around tight end that Marcus Ball was, but there's a lot of really intriguing young options when it comes to the tight end position. Yeah, for sure. And at this point with Rashad Barry, um, I'm not even sure if he'll suit up at tight end or if they'll move him back to defensive end because it, it doesn't seem like they know. Um, and if they do, if they do, they're not telling anybody. But um, I would like to see Rashad Barry play tight end. I think he's a very interesting tight end. Um, we saw at points last season he looked completely dominant um just you know you can't really tackle him he's like six foot seven 260 pounds um it's just a matter of can he catch the ball and when he has it can he avoid fumbling because i remember a couple times last season where he caught the ball right on the goal line and fumbled um and you can't really have that <laughs> with your tight end and you know someone like luke farrell or jake hosman or even the um you know incoming freshman who doesn't come in until the summer i don't think uh jeremy rucker that I, I think are you know better true tight ends but rashad berry's physical and athletic gifts are certainly something that would make it very interesting to pair him with Dwayne haskins or joe burrow um specifically in an offense that will like to pass the ball um either down the field or underneath i think that they'll do both and in the passing game i'm not sure how he is as a, a blocker i haven't watched a ton of his blocking snaps but in the passing game when he has the ball he's a very very good playmaker and um he's he's a great athlete if he's at tight end or if he's at defensive end i think he'll be very good um i would certainly like to see him at tight end as i said but Ohio State is not lacking in talent at tight end, and whoever ends up taking that spot, uh, whether it's Barry or Farrell or, or Hausman, I think it'll be um, not necessarily an upgrade because Ball was quietly very good, as you said, but it'll certainly be someone who Dwayne Haskins or Joe Burrow can trust um, as a, a safety blanket um, to, to kind of keep the offense moving maybe when the wide receivers are struggling. I think, too, at least for hype purposes, it's probably a good thing that Ruckert isn't playing in this game because he strikes me as the type of dude that would immediately come in. And, like, if you've watched his highlight tape he's from, dominant. from high school, he's absolutely yeah. dominant. And he's going to be an awesome receiving tight end. I think at the absolute very least, it remains to be seen what he can do in the blocking scheme. We haven't seen a lot of it, so I, I don't think that – you can just say, oh, he's he's not able to do that. I don't think his high school offense really put him in a position to have to block. And we've seen with Ohio State's tight end coaching is that every tight end they've had since Urban Meyer has been here has been pretty solid when it comes to blocking. So I think they'll be able to coach him up. But Rucker just strikes me as a kid that would have come in if he would have early enrolled and had a huge spring game and would have had these just massive expectations put on him. And I, I think that he's a guy who's big enough and talented enough that – when he gets in there during summer, it may only take him a couple of weeks to just come in there and be so impressive that he gets that job. Yeah, if um, if y'all ever want to see a six foot six, two hundred and forty pound wide receiver run a four five, um, that's what Jeremy Ruckert did in high school, um, and I'm I'm pretty sure he's only seventeen, and that he will be seventeen for most of his freshman season. Uh, if Ohio State plays him at tight end, if they play him at receiver, which would be really funny, just because um, he's bigger than pretty much any defensive back imaginable he will be a very very good receiving threat right away um his his blocking isn't there yet uh, i remember writing the the what he brings to columbus piece after he committed and the the main thing that shows up on his film is that he doesn't drop anything he has incredible hands he's a great athlete and I, yeah, I would not be surprised at all if in fall camp he shows out. He's one of those guys that we we keep hearing is just you know dominant. He's he's having a great fall practice, and 
Um, if Ohio State doesn't decide to redshirt him, I wouldn't be surprised if he took the starting spot before the end of the season because he's that good. So flipping to the defense, there's a couple of points that we can kick this off with. What, what do you think we should break down first when it comes to the defense in the spring game and what we're looking for? Um, let's let's start up front in the trenches with um, specifically not the starters because we know who that's going to be. Um, you know, Bosa, Chase Young, Draymond Jones, and Robert Landers. But uh, what the, the second and third teams would look like um up front specifically with the the three freshman defensive ends that are coming in uh someone like antoine jackson a defensive tackle what jay sean cornell will do what his role will be um you know i i think that that's probably the the place on the defense where the um the backups are the the least proven um you know linebacker depth we pretty much know what ohio state has we don't know what the starters will look like yet uh defensive backs same thing but up front outside of the top three defensive ends and the top three defensive tackles there's a lot of question marks yeah i think that defensive end is one where the depth may not be exactly it's definitely not what it was last year but even you know a guy like Jonathan Cooper I think is going to step in and have just an absolute monster season we'll talk about him in a little but something that I really like is the defensive tackle depth because that is I think where the defensive end depth was last year you talked about uh, Draymond Jones which is absolutely crazy that Draymond Jones is back for another season and you add a guy like Antoine Jackson and then plus you look at the depth chart Robert Landers, who has made plays the past two seasons, one of our favorite guys, Big Bob. And then you have Jayshon Cornell, who is a very highly recruited guy, and he's you know got some spot time, and he's made a couple plays late in games. And then you even add guys like Devon Hamilton, Malik Barrow, Tommy Togiai, very highly recruited kid. And then Haskell Garrett is somebody that we haven't talked at all about and I think whenever I've heard his name get brought up by the coaching staff it seems to be in pretty good light and so you just look down at this defensive tackle depth chart there's eight or nine guys who I think can rotate in and make plays and maybe we'll see a guy like Jay Sean Cornell get moved back to defensive end and we'll see a little bit more of even I think Draymond Jones playing outside sparsely but they have so much, I think, depth and talent on the inside that they'll be able to rotate. And, and I think that that's low-key going to be one of the really good things about this defense is the interior is going to be super fresh on, on, the, uh, on the line. Yeah, I would um, I would definitely agree that the defensive tackle depth this year is where the defensive end depth was last year. Um, and even if uh, Jay Sean Cornell moves back to defensive end, uh, Ohio State is just loaded on the interior line. Uh, you mentioned all those those guys who we've seen make plays, or you know a guy like Antoine Jackson who was highly recruited. We pretty much know what he will be, um, and that's not even with mentioning the guy who's about to show up in the summer. Uh, you know, Teron Vincent casually the yeah. the best. Defensive tackle in the 2018 recruiting Jesus. class, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'm not too concerned about the defensive line in terms of um, production and the the future of the defensive line should be fine as well. Um, I think Tyreek Smith will be a really interesting guy to watch this season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he sees pretty significant playing time from the defensive end spot, especially if Jay Sean Cornell stays put at defensive tackle, but. Um, the the line is probably the least of Ohio State's concerns this season defensively. Um, I, I think that uh, the the biggest uh, question mark, I guess, position group would probably be the linebackers. At least in my opinion, um, you know, especially after tough, especially after tough Borland goes down with with that injury. Um, and we don't know if he's out for the season yet or if uh, if he actually will return, as it seems like people have been saying. I, I can't imagine that he would return knowing the severity of injuries. Um, but the the linebackers are pretty much as fresh as you can get. Um, you know, we we see a lot of new faces. We see a lot of guys who haven't really proven themselves despite spending multiple years in the program. Guys like uh, Justin Hilliard, uh, Dante Booker. Is Dante Booker staying? Do we know that for sure yet? As of right now, I think he is, and maybe that's that's something that you know will kind of become more clear after the spring game. But to your point, linebacker is 
the biggest question mark, I think, and one that stands out because of that tough Borland injury, the Achilles, and they'll say, like you mentioned, he's out till September, but the severity of that, who knows? And Baron Browning is a guy that I think, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think you think can come in there and make a lot of plays. He is that hybrid modern day linebacker who is fast enough to get out in coverage but also play the run and you brought up Justin Hilliard he's a guy that I was really high on when they recruited and he hasn't really made a move in his first couple of years within the program he's had a little bit of an injury history but I think that the spring game spring ball and fall practice has really put up a shut up time for Justin Hilliard I you know I don't think that if he if we get past this and he hasn't made a move I think that it's never really going to happen but as unfortunate as the Borland injury is, this is his chance. And with a guy like Browning there, I don't know if he's going to be able to make it because Browning is so talented. And then even uh, even on the outside, Malik Harrison and Booker, who knows what that's going to look like, especially like you said with, with Booker's status. But Harrison had his moments, but he also had some bad moments last year. And then you have guys like Pete Werner. And then I think my favorite, Keandre Jones, who had 15 tackles, Last year, he was another highly recruited guy. And I think if there's one guy to look at from that outside linebacker group to kind of step in and really take a hold of one of those positions, it's got to be Keandre Jones. Yeah, um, Keandre Jones, certainly a a guy to watch. Malik Harrison, as you mentioned, um, struggled at points last season, but also had some very good games. And then you even have, uh, you know, uh, an early enrollee like Dallas Gant, who's looked very, very good in spring practice. Um, You know, Pete Warner, we saw last season, blowing guys up on special teams plays um the the linebacker room is not lacking in talent but they are lacking in experience um and i I think that it'll be up to you know guys like justin hilliard guys like dante booker uh to you know to fight off the the youth movement that could happen at linebacker this season because there could be an experienced group at linebacker still we could still see you know a hilliard booker malik harrison starting group but it is it's pretty absurd just to imagine the possibility of a um a front seven pairing on a let's say like a rush man third and long kind of scenario where you could have baron browning keandre jones and malik harrison paired with uh nick bosa chase young jonathan cooper and jay sean cornell that's that's violence That's speed and violence. Yeah, that's a lot of speed to have in in a front seven on a third and long. And um, I certainly, I don't think I could name a a Big Ten team or really even a team in the country that would have an answer for that much speed, Uh, specifically when you add in the fact that Ohio State has four very good defensive backs. um, That's that's the kind of thing that uh, Greg Schiano and Larry Johnson dream about is that um, that kind of situation, because I don't think that there's really a, a good solution for an offense when Ohio State deploys that system. How are we feeling about cornerback? You talked about Denzel Ward leaving earlier. Kendall, Sheff- Kendall Sheffield is back. Jeffrey Okuda is back. I think he's going to be a very productive player in his second year. We saw a couple of plays that he made. He got a lot of time in that USC Cotton Bowl. Uh, Damon Arnett, who... I think the most memorable thing about him is he switched his number to 46. Um, (laughs) But Sean Wade is the guy that I'm really looking out for in that position group. He was injured last year, got the red shirt. If you followed him in recruiting, you know kind of what his skill set is. And if there's a guy that's going to make a move there, it's going to be Sean Wade. But I think that it's definitely not out of the question to be concerned about where the corners stand, at least heading into this point of the offseason where we are. Yeah, and we, we've we talked about this a little bit before, uh, how Ohio State has a tendency to have questions at the number one cornerback position coming into the season. And then at the end of the season, we're thinking, well, how was this guy not you know, the starter of the year before? Because he's, he's dominant. We saw it with Marshawn Lattimore. We saw it with Denzel Ward. And I think we're going to see it with Damon Arnett. Um, I, I'm pretty sold on Damon Arnett. I think he was solid last season. Uh, needs to change his number. 46 won't do. But um, I think he has all the, the tools needed to be a star. And I expect him at this point, I think he will be a star. Just, you know, seeing Ohio State's tendencies and, uh, you know, I, I think that the coaches will get him there. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda was solid last season when he played. Kendall Sheffield um, 
I would imagine will improve. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him in the nickel this season. I think that he'll fit pretty well there, kind of how uh, Damon Webb played last season. Um, Sean Wade, as you mentioned, very, very talented, doesn't have experience to this point, but I think that he's probably the most talented, just, you know, pure athleticism standpoint of the bunch um, and a a top three cornerback room of uh, Damon Arnett, Jeffrey Okuda and Sean Wade with Kendall Sheffield at the nickel is very, very good. Um, and that's that's kind of the theme of this Buckeye team is that even though there's inexperience in a lot of key positions, the players are very good. I mean, pretty much every starter on this team either has played in the past or is a five-star recruit. <laughs> and, it's, you know, it's hard to, to be in a much better place than that. And ultimately, I, I think that any concerns about Ohio State's team can be kind of answered away when you realize that no matter who you put at the starting position, they're almost certainly a blue chip recruit and they're almost certainly very good at football. One of the biggest, I guess, memes of spring games for every single team around the country is that one player who shows out and everybody talks about like, I know it's the spring game, but this is real. This guy's the truth. And we've seen it over the course of Ohio State history where it hasn't panned out. But there's been a guy like Michael Thomas who for back-to-back years put on a show at the spring game, and he turns out to be a superstar. Who's this year's Mike Thomas of the spring game? It's Jalen Harris. That's, um, yeah, he, we, we've heard pretty much nothing but good things about him, uh, coming out of spring practice, six foot five receiver out of Cleveland. I want to say, um, didn't play a ton last season with the loss of, uh, Trayvon Grimes. I I think Jalen Harris is going to be the young receiver that steps up. Um, and if it, if that's in the place of Johnny Dixon or Austin Mack, which I don't expect it to be in the place of either of those two, I think that Jer- J- uh, that Jalen Harris will have a very, very good spring game if that includes um, a couple mossing of defensive backs, uh, then so be it. But if he doesn't find the field this season, I think uh, next season he'll be a star. Um, and I think that he's kind of the guy who will show out at this spring game this year. I don't think this guy qualifies because I was going to say Harris as well, but just for the sake of adding some, some different players to this, he's a player that has already made plays and, and I don't think qualifies, but Benjamin Victor, I'm really excited to see how he's grown after another year. We saw as the season went on him really start to get it and, and playing outside and making plays down the field and I don't think he's going to have like 12 catches or anything or have huge numbers but I, I think he's going to make a couple of really nice plays that it's like you're going to have that moment where you're like oh shit this guy's here like he has fully realized his potential and, and I think that he is going to take that mantle as the number one wide receiver because there's a lot of guys on this roster that have put up numbers but I don't think any of them outside of Victor really have that skill set to be a dominant college football or at that, you know, next level NFL receiver. He is that guy to look out for. And I I think the sooner the better that he takes over that that role as the number one guy, the true number one guy. Yeah, I'm certainly I have uh, big hopes for Benjamin Victor as I have for the past two seasons. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the year he takes a step forward especially with a a true passer at quarterback. I think that that'll help him quite a bit. We saw it in limited playing time with Haskins last season. Benjamin Victor looked very, very good. Um, As kind of just a a bonus possible breakout player in in the spring game, I wouldn't be surprised if either of the – if neither of the two starting running backs, J.K. Dobbins or Mike Weber, play in the spring game, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was just Antonio Williams, Demario McCall, and um, my additional pick for breakout, you know, possible breakout guy, Master Teague. Um, he is probably one of the most NFL-ready <laughs> running backs coming out of high school I've ever seen. He's just, I mean, he's a freak. I, I don't I can't imagine that he's very refined when it comes to the nuances of blocking as a running back or uh, you know receiving out of the backfield or anything like that. But he is and I mean he's just physically imposing 
um, I, I want to say like six foot two twenty five, something like that. He is built, and I think that he's going to dominate the spring game if he gets a chance to play. And he will. Um, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he was um, talked about quite a bit as a guy who could start next season uh, at running back, even with you know kind of alongside J.K. Dobbins because. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is only a sophomore, which is absurd. Um, and uh, a backfield with J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague, I don't think would be uh, stoppable by really any team. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of Master Teague's uh, foray into the spotlight. And I, I think he'll do very well if he gets the chance to play. So on our Twitter account, at Holy Land Pod, we asked you what are a couple of things you are most looking forward to watching in Ohio State spring game. We got a couple of answers here. Dale Turkhorn says, uh, Dwayne Haskins and Mike Weber Jr. To your point, Patrick, I don't know how much we're going to see of Mike Weber. There's really nothing that he needs to show. I think that Haskins is going to get some some meaningful reps at the start of the game, and seeing that timing with the offensive line will be interesting as well as those starting receivers. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that um, I, I'm not sure how much we'll see of, of Haskins. Um, I, I'd, I'd think that we'll see more of him than we have out of uh, presumed starting quarterbacks in the past, just because there is the, you know, the possibility of a quarterback competition. And also there's only three healthy quarterbacks on this roster right now as uh, Matthew Baldwin is still injured. I believe he is enrolled, um, but he, he has a, an ACL injury. Um, so Haskins will definitely see plenty of uh, Joe Burrow and Tate Martell as well. And the, the timing with the receivers, specifically the starting receivers, uh, will be definitely very interesting to watch. And I think that the passing game is one of the main things I'm going to be watching. Sean Knight says the QB battle, Master Teague, Jalen Harris, linebackers, Pryor, feel bad for the offensive line already, too many out, new to already have a unit feel. And the one thing that really sticks out to me about this tweet and somebody we haven't talked about a lot is Isaiah Pryor, who there's a lot of physical freaks on this roster and a lot of dudes on the defense that can hit extremely hard. Pryor may be at the top of the list on in both of those categories. He's a guy who is going to get a hell of a lot of time this season, and I am super, super excited to see what he does because he is a freak. Yeah, Isaiah Pryor and Jordan Fuller, I, I think, are pretty much the starting safeties at this point. I, I don't think there's, there's a much of a battle there. And uh, we got to see Isaiah Pryor a little bit last season. Generally, he was on the field at the same time as guys like Jeffrey Okuda and Baron Browning. And uh, I think we talked about it on a on a podcast. I think it might have been the Illinois game last season where the, the freshman defenders just looked like they were on an entire other level yeah. physically. And um, Isaiah Pryor is just massive. Um, he's a he's a big hitter. I think pairing him with Jordan Fuller is a very, very good idea at safety because you kind of have the best of both worlds there. And uh, I'm not sure how much we'll see of the starting safeties or really any of the starting defenders. But um, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see Isaiah Pryor. I'm excited to see uh, a guy like Jocelyn Wendt. Uh, a guy like Brendan White, even Wayne Davis. Uh, I, I think that the the safety position, while it's one of the more sure positions on the team, is going to be interesting to watch just because the safeties are really good. Yeah, finally, Nicholas Shook tells us Tate Martell winning the quarterback battle. And listen, <laughs> for as much humor that surrounds the conversation about Tate Martell winning the quarterback job to, to go back to the quarterback battle and Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow, whether Joe Burrow stays or not probably depends a lot on what Tate Martell does on Saturday and for the rest of spring practice. Because if Tate Martell shows out and is able to really make a push, then, then I think that that's the determining factor of really what happens to Joe Burrow and, and whether he stays or not. Yeah, I, I think that um, Tate Martell is kind of a, a key factor there, although I wouldn't be surprised if Burrow was gone anyway, uh, just if Haskins is named the starter, because ultimately, I mean, Joe Burrow's a, he's a junior at this point, right? I, th I think he's a junior. And both of the other quarterbacks in the room are younger than he is. Um, and there's really just not, if, 
if it's not this year, I don't think that there's a year that Burrow would be the starting quarterback unless, um, you know, Haskins has a very good season and goes pro after this year. But um, as you mentioned, uh, if Martell wins this, uh, this, you know, the backup job outright, there's no way that Burrow sees the field. And that, that would definitely be, um, I think, kind of a deciding factor in, in what happens with, uh, with Joe Burrow. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Martell has a good spring game, that that's kind of the, the last straw. And listen, Patrick and I are definitely Team Haskins, but if there's one podcast that is all about the tattooed short white quarterback, <laughs> it is this podcast. Whether it's, uh, who is the dude in Virginia? Kurt Benkert, our favorite. Kurt Benkert, our guy Kurt Benkert, Tate Martell, uh, Baker Mayfield, obviously, which Wonderful. I know some people... We'll rub some people the wrong way, but that's that is our brand, the short tattooed white quarterback. So if Tate Martell's out there making plays, we are all about it. Uh, before we get out of here, there was some news with Ohio State basketball. I believe it was yesterday when guard C.J. Walker of Florida State committed to Ohio State. He is going to transfer. He has to sit out next season, but has two seasons of eligibility left. He's a Midwest kid. He was recruited by Chris Holtman at Butler, ultimately chose to go to Florida State. He started 34 games for the Knolls this year, averaged eight points, two and a half assists, and two and a half rebounds. Uh, this is huge for Ohio State. Even if he doesn't end up being you know, a, a star player, they really need depth basically everywhere. And I think to get a guy with Power 5 experience, a guy who's familiar with Chris Holtman and has made plays you know, at a, at a high level, I think is, uh, is big. And it's a bummer that he has to sit out next season, but to have that depth and kind of rebuild, not rebuild, but build back up the program, I, I think is a, uh, is a nice stepping start and a nice addition. Yeah. CJ Walker is, um, essentially the way I've been looking at it is that he's Ohio state's 2019 point guard. Um, you know, he will be, he will be spending the year learning from C.J. Jackson, learning the offense, learning the system, and uh, kind of being groomed to take over as a junior in 2019 and then as a senior in 2020. Um, that will uh, that'll be very helpful for Ohio State because without C.J. Walker and if they just brought in a, a grad transfer point guard this year, which I do think they're going to do as well, um, Dwayne Washington would be the guy in 2019. And as a true sophomore, I don't know if he would be ready, uh, which is why Ohio State went out and got C.J. Walker was kind of as insurance for for the future and to, to give Dwayne Washington more time to learn the position. Um, but certainly it, it is um, a bummer that he's not going to be able to play this season. Uh, Ohio State is very thin at point guard. As I mentioned, they're going to go out and get a, tra a grad transfer, be it as a, a combo guard or as a true point guard. Um, but it, it is a big get for Ohio State. He was very solid at Florida State. There was uh, writing on the wall there that he probably wasn't going to start uh, um, with a, a younger player coming in and kind of taking his spot late in the season. But he's very talented. He's a good playmaker, um, pretty solid shooter. I think that he'll get better with a, a kind of year to to work on his game. Um, and ultimately, this is the kind of guy that Chris Holtman is very, very good at developing. We saw it at Butler. Uh, we've seen it with, you know, G even just with C.J. Jackson in the past season. Holtman knows what he's doing with guards, and I think that uh, C.J. Walker will be a pretty big part of Ohio State's team going forward. All right, I think that about wraps it up. Is there any other big Ohio State or college sports news that you're you're looking at this week? Um, not really. We're kind of in the uh, kind of in the dead zone with when it comes to college sports. Um, I don't know if you. you Really, the only significant thing that I saw, and I don't know if you saw this, this was the uh, Herm Edwards reference. Did you happen to see it? Where he, I, I uh, didn't. <laughs> so he essentially, um, I guess not really knowing the rules or knowing them not caring, uh, said that he was considering cutting players like that weren't performing, <laughs> which uh, I, you can't do. Like you definitely, he did say he was going to shift to an NFL mindset. Yeah, so he's going to cut down to 53 <laughs> players and lose 12 games. <laughs> he's tanking for the, for the top pick. Cause he does not know what recruiting is. I, I haven't read the story yet, but I think one of the writers for the athletic, uh, wrote a piece about Herm Edwards today and you know, the, the model that they've built and how it's starting to make sense. And after their recruiting class, I feel like we're at the point 
with the Herm Edwards thing where like it was so shocking when it happened and it was so stupid that we were all like, yeah, that's awful. It's going to turn out terrible. They have a decent recruiting class. Everything's kind of gotten some time to, you know, sift down and be quiet. We're at the point where people are now trying to like justify it. Like, hey, you know what? Like this could actually like happen. Like it, it, people think it's stupid, but it could work. Like, no, it's stupid. Please don't. Yeah, please fail. don't normalize. And it's going to fail <laughs> spectacularly. Like sometimes things are just dumb and you know from the start and it's going to go bad. This is one of those things. It's going to be an absolute mess. Even if they win a couple of games, this strikes me as a team that like they'll go three and zero to start the season. And everybody will be like, yeah, like this is this is working. And then they'll blow like a 35 to 10 lead in the second half against some Pac-12 team. And it's just going to go totally off the rails. This is going to be an absolute failure. Like there's no way I am putting my anchor to Herm Edwards being good. Absolutely not going to happen. Yeah, Herm Edwards is going to get like canned after saying something extremely offensive about the Notre Dame mascot or something. I mean, it's not going to work. <laughs> There's no way it's going to work. It. <laughs> I I have seen the, the pieces that are like, maybe this new style of Herm Edwards not actually coaching the team and just hiring a bunch of assistant coaches that he's never met before um, and cutting all of his players so that he can get down to a roster of 53 because he doesn't know the rules. Maybe that will work and it won't <laughs> it's not gonna work don't hire herm edwards <laughs> like it, imagine imagine ohio state fans if after this season they decided that um you know urban meyer wasn't good enough and they wanted to to shift to an nfl model so they went out they hired uh cleveland browns legend hugh jackson i, I mean people would sue the school <laughs> well i'm sure that there's a couple of ohio state fans out there that want that to happen yeah. <laughs> based off of what what's said about urban meyer when ohio state loses like one game or sometimes two games in a season but uh yeah the the arizona state thing it's going to spectacularly fail and i am definitely here for it and on the flip side of that something that is not going to fail is this podcast because we are back and we will be back with another episode recapping ohio state's spring game and we'll be back all throughout the summer and fall ball and of course during the regular season to break down everything Ohio State football and when things pop up elsewhere Ohio State basketball and recruiting and just general news so keep it locked here make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Holy Land Pod you can follow me on Twitter at Dubs Co. Patrick where can they follow you? Uh, they can follow me at Patrick underscore Mayhorn um, it's a bad time don't follow me I'm bad <laughs> <laughs> don't do it I can I can attest to it don't follow me either though that's that I think that's that's the main thing. If you're gonna follow anything, follow the show account at Holy Land Pod. Also follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at Land Grant thirty three. And please, if you like the show, subscribe to it. Go on to Apple Podcasts, search, hang out in the Holy Land, leave us a review, leave some feedback, leave a star rating, find all the episodes there, and you can also listen on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash land grant holy land. That about wraps it up, man. I'm glad to be back and uh, looking forward to the spring game. And we will be back with another episode after that. So until then, for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning, and this has been the Hangout in the Holy Land.